This episode of the School of Laughs podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Seth Knorr. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small, recurring monthly donation, log on to schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, Seth. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the show. Rick Roberts here. Thanks again to Seth Knorr for sponsoring the podcast through Patreon. Hey, I'm excited about today's episode. Uh, Back in the summer, I got to interview Devin Henderson. He's a very funny guy out of Kansas City, does magic, does corporate speaking, does comedy, plays music, does a little bit of everything, and very funny. And I got to interview him at the NSA conference, the National Speakers Association conference, shortly after we had the Christian Comedy Association conference, uh, about a month before that. So in in about a month's time, I got to know Devin pretty good, and it was really fun talking to him. He's a guy who started doing magic when he was 11 years old. And a little bit after college, he decided to jump headfirst into it and go full speed ahead. And not only is he doing that and doing his comedy and magic, he also is a dad with five kids. Hey, there's a phone call right now. I'm going to take that and come back because I can't uh, do two things at once. Hang tight. Hey, back from that phone call, that was my doctor calling in my prescription. As you might be able to tell, I'm a little raspy today. I uh, had a sinus thing going on. I usually get it this time of year. And then when I was flying home last night from Iowa, it moved behind the ears. And that's the worst possible feeling. So I'm a wimp. I'm going to go get a Z-Pack and knock this sucker out before I get back on the plane in four days. I don't want it to uh, get any worse before it gets better. Anyway, let's get back to the episode at hand. This is Devin Henderson. I know you're going to enjoy it, and I'll chat with you a little bit after it's through. Well, I'm here with Devin Henderson. How's it going, sir? It's going well. You enjoying this? Uh, we're, we're actually at the NSA conference in Orlando, and we're catching up before a big dinner tonight. But how have you found the conference so far? Picked up any tidbits you can use? I have, you know, yeah. Um, my daughter's here for the youth program, so I've actually spent more time with her this time around than, you know, hanging out with the conference stuff. And I got to peek in the other day when you were performing for the youth which to me is a terrifying age group <laughs> of kids. The age range in there, they have to be at least 11. Is that uh, right? 10. 10? So 10 to 16. Then after that, they're helpers. Gotcha. But they were totally into it. It was a packed room. It looked like they had a couple hundred. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not a good. I'm not good with that. You know, I, I would have said a thousand or two thousand. Yeah, it could um, have been three thousand or yeah, so. Yeah, I was like, yeah, a couple million. I think we're in there. Yeah, and I was watching <laughs> you up there, and I'm like, man, this guy. I know you. You know, you do some magic, but you you were up there just doing straight ahead comedy when I was in there, and it was interesting watching the wheels turning a little bit because mm-hmm. not only are the kids, but like, and and I've done a few things with kids in the room too, but they don't know how sometimes to process the joke part of it. They're listening to everything as fact, even though you're presented as a comedian. Yeah. And it was funny, like just a couple things that they were grown at, mm-hmm. and then I was like laughing at them because I I've got jokes that they would totally not understand. Mm-hmm. 
and they would just go to the part that they, you know, before the punchline. Yeah. And sometimes they get hooked up on that, but, but you had them constantly throughout that thing and the energy was good. And I just wonder how often do you do younger groups like that? You know, being a magician, I'm sure you had a, a lot of those mm-hmm. early on, but what's your normal calendar kind of look like these days? Yeah. You know, I maybe do like two you things a year, honestly, sometimes skills USA or DECA, um, and of course all my comedy, I write like you, we write it for adults. I mean, mm-hmm. it's clean, but it's, you know, I talk a lot about being a dad kids. So when I do a youth thing and they want comedy, I have to really think, okay, what things are they going to get? Okay. They're going to understand what it's like. Haven't, you know, some of the girls, some of the daughter stuff, they're going to totally get, you yeah. know, they In know fact, what it's that like. got some applause that you know, like, yeah, I've got what, five, four daughters, five, yeah, daughters? five, yeah, six, seven, and, I don't, it's five. And you're like, that's an emotional roller coaster. And some of the girls are like, you ain't kidding. Yeah. And some yeah. of the brothers that had that many sisters like, oh yeah, you know. Right. Yeah. They know. So, and then I just some choose, you know, some, I talk about technology a little bit. So I just have to pick the pieces that they're going to get. And then the rest of the time I just fill with magic and soccer and, you know audience participation so yeah so that's just a small part now what, what is your main focus corporate entertaining yeah yeah it's corporate entertainment so and motivational the, speaking with humor and tiny tiny bit of magic yeah and is there a current theme to your show oh so my main uh theme is when life's hard laugh harder so when i'm doing stand-up i always bring it back to the point of you know make comedians make fun of their situations their surroundings and themselves so in life people who aren't comedians even can do that just to deal with life, deal with stress, be happier at work, be more productive. And of course, companies like to know that it gets down to the bottom line. Right. You know, that it's not just about screwing around, wearing clown noses. I mean, it can be, you know, that can be I've part seen of some fun. of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as, but as, and, and I don't necessarily push the goofiness, the goofy side of it. I just push, you know, la- laugh at life, laugh at yourself, and you're just, um, you're going to be more effective in business. So, That's awesome. And yeah. how, how did you get started into, did magic come first or some other thing mm-hmm. and you added magic to it? How far go? Oh. Because you've been doing it for a while. How far back does it go? Yeah. Uh, goes back to when I was 11. So I've been doing it for like 26 years. So, um, so yeah, it's you know it started as a hobby. It was on and off. And after college, I was like, I'm going for it. So it was like magic in restaurants, birthday parties, bat mitzvahs, funeral. I had a funeral home gig. Um, How'd that go? Did you, uh, well, <laughs> did you make the guy talk? Or, yeah, or, you know, yeah. <laughs> this this guy just wouldn't raise his hand. No, uh, actually, it was a blood drive. But I just like to tell people it was in a funeral home yeah. because you know, with blood driving a funeral home, don't know how much blood they got out of that one. But um, so you know, I did all kinds of gigs, and finally, someone you know, I started doing more corporate entertainment because I realized, hey, there's there's money there, right? And I have to support these children. Um, someone challenged me that there's a message in what I do, so I started exploring that. That was maybe nine or so years ago so since i was mainly a magician at the time my message was more you know share your magic what's your magic you know Mm -hmm. is it your smile is it your positive attitude so magic was a metaphor and i spent a lot of time trying to figure that out um and you know confused a lot of audiences like wait is he a magician is he a speaker is he entertaining is he speaking so i mean there's there's a lot to you know figure out about yourself um and then i just got burnt out on magic it just you know i went and uh, auditioned for america's got talent about two years ago mm-hmm. uh didn't make it through the audition i did some pickpocketing stuff they found me on youtube um i don't know what they typed in but they wanted to pickpocket like thief you know ex-convict right. i don't know what they typed <laughs> in but they found me and i went on there stole some watches in my audition and the producers were thinking this is new this is going to be great so i was like okay we'll do this and then you know the celeb like howie howard mel b and heidi were were all like yeah actually heidi liked it she's the only one so she was my saving grace but 
that the reason I tell about that experience, that was kind of a pivotal moment for me to realize I don't really like magic more anymore anyway. Uh-huh. I mean, I was already going more into comedy, uh, but that was kind of the breaking point where it's like, you're not into this anymore anyway. Um, you know, so now it's just a small part of what I do, but about three three years ago is when I really started studying stand-up comedy. Um, and in that process, the America's Got Talent fiasco happened. So now my main passion is, you know, it's it's just comedy. So I'm. it's all about taking the stand-up, taking the funny stories, and bringing them to the motivational speaking so that people can remember the message. Did it so. feel weird when you started to do that? Was there a day where you're like, no matter what, I'm not going to pull a magic trick out of the back pocket if it's not going <laughs> yeah. or do, or yeah. do you still have something that you can pull out if you need to or you want to? I can't because I can do magic with no props. I mean, there's several things you can do, uh, which I wish that weren't the case because sometimes I lean on it uh-huh. a little bit. I mean, honestly, in the last uh, six months, I've really, I mean, I, I'm totally comfortable now without magic, honestly. There are some situations where I think any comedian would go, oh my goodness, I wish I could do a magic trick. You know, yeah. if you're like first thing in the morning or first thing after lunch and you're bombing and you know it's not you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, sometimes it's not you, right? Right, the sometimes. The situation's bad, the time of the day, is, and it's just like you're not going to get these people going. Those are the times where I'm thankful that I have this blessing slash curse of magic that I can pull it out and make, you know, make myself worth the money they paid. Right. So, yeah, there are, yeah. <laughs> that's like, you know, I play guitar and I bring it to most of my, if I'm doing an hour of stand up, I like to have it because sometimes they tire out if the gig starts late or any of that stuff. But the times where I haven't taken it mm-hmm. have been so liberating because A, there's no sound yeah. check and yeah, that stuff. I know. And B, like the times where I brought it and didn't use it, like I, I would get done and, yes. hey man, you never got your guitar. I'm like, well, then I got to explain. It was it was there in case I needed it, but right. you guys were so good, I didn't need it. So yeah. then it just tells them I wasn't prepared. But when I don't bring it, it's so liberating and I, I can just, same thing with slides when I do my, my speeches. Like oh, I don't yeah. know if, if you ever use PowerPoint or anything, well, I had a thing three four months ago where I was, i've got a mayberry method speech okay and there's some slides it initially it was to help me remember what came next because mm-hmm. it was a brand new thing it wasn't comedy and i've probably been doing that for four or five years so i get there and of course eventually it was going to happen where the slides don't work they, mm-hmm. they couldn't bring them on to the windows computer from the mac file or whatever it was yeah and the audience didn't know i had slides I look over at the meeting planner. She's like, she's like Sorry. <laughs> right right and so i didn't tell them yeah know? yeah and, I did my entire hour without having to worry about getting this next slide yes. up. Yes, their focus was on me the whole time, and I, I had more eye contact and interaction with the crowd. Yeah, but having those slides over time, I was able to visualize what came next in the uh-huh. presentation, as well as just knowing it from the flow of things. But it yeah. was so much better. And you know, I guess my next challenge is to go up with no jokes and just <laughs> <laughs> no act. Yeah, but it is yeah. it is interesting when you've got multiple things you can draw from. Mm-hmm the the mindset of do i need these or not you know so right. now, so now you're moving on with without it and you've got the comedy yeah and how do you feel like i'll kind of go in a, a few different directions but first off i always like to ask like what's the most fun part of just doing comedy not worrying about magic okay um the, oh man or even what do you have most fun writing and talking about yeah like what topics do i like mm-hmm. you know my well i have five daughters so they write all my comedy for me. I just sit around my house and take notes. Yeah. That's it. Um, I mean, I used to think, I can't use their stuff. No, no one thinks your kids are cute but you. Mm-hmm. But I just, because I l- 
love my kids and they do crazy things, I write down everything that they say that makes me laugh, you know, or that may, that's, that's like mind blowing or that like I can use as blackmail someday. I write these things down, I, I log them and I would share them in my newsletter and people are like, oh, that's awesome. And finally someone was like, dude, you should use some of that in your standup. And I'm like, well, I can't just sit there and read the list of the funny things my kids have said. But he's like, no, you like you should perform it. Say, you know, pretend like you're your, you know, you're your kids yeah. and you're doing it. And I was like, huh. So I started reading through the list, and I would read some of the things to people, and I would pick the things that people reacted to the most. Mm -hmm. And feel like, whoa, that's insightful, or that. Like my daughter one time was like, Dad, if you had the ability to see through things then actually you wouldn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was like so profound. You right. know? And so when I read it through the list, people look at me and do the whole mind blown thing. And so now I use that and I have just several things like that and I'll, you know, I'll do their voices. And of course you have to add to it. You got to exaggerate it a little bit. You got to act it out to, to make it really stage worthy. Um, and then I actually finished my stand-up act with something called the Girl Talk Song. Okay. Where I just, I strum the ukulele and uh, and I just say, these are the things that haven't fit into my act, you know? So then I just go through and I just verbatim say things they've said. And it just brings down the house. Uh, my kids are the ones bringing down the house because right. everyone knows, everyone's heard kids say these kind of things, you know? And so immediately they're picturing the kids that they have, that they know. And that's my favorite part of my show, just because I didn't even write it. Right. You know, it's just verbatim the best things they've ever said. And... Um, so that so that's the most fun part for me is just profiting off of my children. Well, you, know? you are entitled to it because they put yeah. you. No matter how good your kids are, they put you through a lot. There you go. <laughs> and the great thing about that too is you know, putting letting them get the laughs basically, and then yep. you can react to the reaction of the audience on what your kids said. So you, yes, you're. So there's three different perspectives going on instead of just saying you saying my kids said this. Your kids are saying it. The audience is laughing, and you're reacting to that. Mm -hmm. So even if you know. If you put some new stuff in there and it doesn't get a reaction or it gets a weird reaction, you can just be like, yeah, I know. Like, that's, cute. yeah, you know, yeah. So I had a friend a long time ago who he didn't swear very much in his act. He had a couple of, of mm -hmm. bad words, basically, but he never said them. It was in a conversation with somebody yeah. else and they would say right. it. And because he was clean the whole time, the audience was like, what, what? And he's like, I know, I would never say those things. Yeah. You know? and he would try, yeah. <laughs> little, yeah. It was a well, nice little gimmick to use, but it also, it's a tool, a technique. So let me, can I ask you advice on something? Yeah. So some of the things they say, obviously, are bathroom humor type things that, that I wouldn't say as a comedian. So this is what you're talking about. And I've gotten a variety of feedback. Now, actual real audiences never come up and say, that was a little much that you said the word poop. But comedian friends or whoever will be like, eh, I don't think you could do that in churches, which, first of all, it's not inappropriate in the wrong way. It's just in, it's just bathroom humor. Mm -hmm. You know, like, can I, can I just give you an example? Sure. So my daughter says, you know, um, this poop is tough. It feels like I'm going number eight. <laughs> and, and, and so there's a, just a couple things like that. And, um, you know, another one is daddy, um, I'm good at tooting but you're the best. Right. Uh, and so to me, it's like, it's okay. Cause it's a child saying, so what do you think? Is it just for some audiences, not for others? I'm still trying to figure that piece out. Well, I'll tell you what, what works for me. Cause I don't, I don't have the exact same joke. I've got jokes about, um, the baby changing station. Yeah. Yeah. And the joke's not even about poop really. It's just about my miscon, you know, the sticker, a lot of stuff. Yeah. But as soon as I bring it up, people are like, Ugh, you know, right. So right. if I'm at an after dinner event, Mm -hmm. I'll move it way further back in the show. Okay. I like talking about my kids up front because it's endearing yeah, sure. and, I, and I don't want to forget those jokes. But if it's about one of those things, the diaper genie, I had a big joke about the diaper genie. Uh -huh. 
I'll move it way back. So they, they've got okay. to know me. And then even when I bring it up, they're like, oh, we, we already like the guy. Yeah. If you do it early, they might think, oh, we're in for 45 more minutes of this. Okay. And can't he talk about anything else? I mean, right. he's there so quickly. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So that would yeah. be the big thing. And then I would leave it out of the showcase sets or anything okay. where yeah, good you're, point. you're trying to show the top of the line of your material, even though it's funny stuff. Sure, sure. But they're like, he had to go there. It's a, you know, this is the right. best of the best. Let's just see the, what else you got. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's great advice, man. I, I like. I wish that. somebody would have told it to me because I well, <laughs> I would lead off with the diaper genie thing. Yeah. Anytime there's ladies in the crowd. And, <laughs> well, thankfully that it the, that piece is at the very end of the show, pretty much no matter what. So that kind of piece is, you know, I'm good there, but good point in the showcase, which I've never done it in showcase. But mental note that I never will do it like that yeah. in showcase. So. Which is tough to do sometimes because sometimes it's a great joke and you want to get a, a yeah. good video of a great joke right, in a tight right. set, yeah. but it's not the right, you know, it's not going to cause a bunch of damage. But if, if you've got other stuff you like better that gets as big of a laugh. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. So the, yeah. the humor thing is going good. What's the toughest part, do you think, um, not just to doing it, switching to comedy from ma magic, but mm -hmm. just the day-to-day -day of being a comedian mm. and coming up with material, what's... Is there one part that kind of nags at you, like oh, I wish I was better at this, or I wish mm. this was wish this move quicker? Or? Yeah, I, I think <sighs> comparison sometimes really gets to me, you know, because when I really the first Christian comic that I was introduced to was Tim Hawkins, yeah, and that I was like, why, why am I even trying this when he exists in this world? I'm never going to be able to touch that. Yeah, you know, I mean that's how I felt at first. In fact, I went to his concert a couple of years ago, and I wrote a I wrote a parody song about Tim, <laughs> where I I don't know if you saw it, but I I I called myself Tim Hackens, and the whole actually the whole point of the video was kind of therapeutic for me, because I needed to get over this. I'm not Tim Hawkins. I'm Devin Henderson. Right. Right. So I was after we went to his concert. I was in bed that night and I was like, I need to make some video. And, and these lines just started coming to me. And the whole point of the video was going to be to encourage people, don't be a hack, you know, don't be someone else, be yourself. Right. But the video was more of a message for me than anything. Um, almost had to like be at peace with who God made me, which is Devin Henderson, right? right. And I started, it was sort of a seed that was planted in me that, hey man, you have this awesome journey ahead of you uh, that Tim Hawkins can't fulfill, that Rick Roberts can't fulfill, that Michael Jr. can't fulfill, that Brian Regan can't fulfill. Devin Henderson, you're put in this world for this certain group of people that those other people are never going to touch. Right. Yet you may not be as big, you may not be as good, you may not make as much money or have as much fame, but this is God's plan for me. And so the last couple of years has been me wrapping my mind around that and deciding, okay, uh, I'm going to be Devin Henderson and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to be thankful for that. Well, that's a load off your stress knowing yeah. that, you know, Oh yeah, because, you know, especially in comedy, you see it in the speaker world crazy here. Like everybody's trying to be the next whoever yeah. instead of being the first one of them. Yep. And that's a, you know, it's a good perspective. I know we got a lot of people listening that are, haven't even started doing comedy yet mm -hmm. because of the fear that it's not going to be as good as somebody else right. or as even as they expect to be. Yeah. But making peace with that early, it's easier said than done because I had the same struggle starting. You know, I thought I was going to be Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't do anything uh -huh. that was even close. Sure. Even in style. Yeah. Um, but for so long, I thought, man, I got to be the wild and crazy guy kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, well, that's great, but it wasn't rooted in any reality. So we didn't sure. know what you were doing. Yeah. And yeah. so over the years, you kind of find yourself in the. I think you were telling maybe the the youth group the other day here at the thing, you know, was it you being yourself on stage and off stage? Yeah. Oh, that was during our session. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It can take years and years, but the closer you get to that, 
the better. And I always add the, the next line is as long as you're not a jerk all the time, because <laughs> then you're going to be a jerk on stage. Yeah. Good and point. some people do have Unless to Unless you're Damian Mason, and then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out <laughs> to Damian. Who we love, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to make sure. I'm not sure whose episode is going to come first. So I'll maybe go get another word from him and let him yeah, come back. Yeah, do it. Do it. Love that guy. Yeah, but it is interesting to kind of take that pressure off, but also to narrow your focus on, you know, I just need to talk about the things I see the way I see them. Yeah. And eventually, you either get enough of those people that identify with that, that you, you move forward, or if for some reason it's not working out, you tweak it and, and pick up your fans yeah. that way. But to try to be somebody else's act and try to be, you know, try to get their following. Mm-hmm. There's billions of people in the world, so you don't have to even worry about somebody else's following. Yeah, yeah. Where do you, now? You live in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and do you work out some material at the clubs there still, or do you <laughs> do it mostly in your corporate events? How does yeah. it work? I was just thinking about that. I was like, that would this was would have been my second question uh, or answer to your question. So, I you know. Okay, so so the part of me that's not trusting God in this is saying, man, I wish I would have started stand up when I was nineteen. You know, because then I had the energy, I had the time, I didn't have a family, I could I could go every night to an open mic and be fine. And then you learn so fast that way, right? Well, doing stand up now, it takes so long to hone a bit because I with with having five kids, I can't just go to every open mic every night. You know, so so really, my I try out new material sometimes on my high paid corporate audience gigs. You know, I mean, not a lot, but just just a bit or a line uh-huh. or something because that's like really my jam time, honestly, because I don't have the liberty of having, you know, other jam time. Um, you know, but, but also I've been taking a lot of gigs that I wouldn't take. In other words, lower paying gigs, right? Uh, because I'm developing a new craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some ways, sometimes I feel like I'm starting my career over where with magic and speaking, I was on the up and up, like, man, now I won't go below this fee. And now I'm up here and I was feeling good. And now it's like, okay, we're coming back down again. But, um, it's, you know, you get a little bit of money doing it you get a little bit of practice and it makes it worth it. And, you know, so then I kind of feel like I'm on this steady incline again. And now I'm really getting to this point where I'm, I am confident in doing straight stand up comedy shows, so another huge challenge is the rebranding of yourself. You know, yeah. like people who know you as a magician, they're calling you back and you're like, I'm just doing comedy now. And it's like, oh, uh, can, can you do some magic? So now you're back to the, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. now I'm a magician again. And so it's it's hard to break that cycle. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I'm in the middle of this. Who am I? What am I going to do? Who do people think that I am? Am I ever going to be able to just be a comedian and let the magic go entirely? Is that even what I really want? I, and, and I'm on this journey, and I don't know the answer yet, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm at peace being on this journey and not having it all figured out yet. You yeah. know, like, I, I feel like in time, God's going to show me, okay, this is who you are. This is your niche. You know, enjoy this journey. Because someday when you have it all figured out, I have an inkling it's not going to be as fun. Right. You know, right. like once you've arrived, it's like, oh, I've arrived. And and then I'll start looking for the next thing. And yeah. now I'm on a whole new journey where it's like, yeah, I, I'm the kind of guy who I'm never going to be happy. I'm always going to be having to try something new. So I may as well just be happy with where I am. Like, you know, like Paul says, happy in any any circumstance. Right. I'm probably misusing that. But um, that's how I feel. No, that's good. I had a phrase I used to say a long time ago. It was like, most people I know that have arrived are out of gas. <laughs> they used everything that's they had great. to get there. Then they're like, oh, yeah. is this even where I want to be? It took yep. me so long. I've kind of seen the mountain for 900 years uh-huh. trying to get there. Yeah. Now I'm here. I want to go back the other way. Yep. Yep. So you got to refuel like and get reinvigorated. Mm-hmm. 
with all you know, with everything across the board. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not a bad thing to have paid clients to basically develop and be an open mic that you're getting paid. Right. You know, open mics right. can be brutal. So, and yep. how old are you? 37. 37. So I'm 48, 49. Mm-hmm. I, I get out to a few open mics, but it's it's usually after the kids are in bed. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I do that too. Yeah. yeah. It's when I've already Sometimes. spent a full day with them. I don't feel bad. Right. And, uh, and recently I thought, you know, I should hit a few when I'm out of town. If I've got any gas left oh, in the yeah. tank. I never, never really thought about that, but, um, that's a good point. You know, look them up. Uh, I, I know a lot of different Facebook groups from the podcast. So all I'd have to do is say, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. In fact, I'll be in Kansas city. Oh, really? I'm flying there tomorrow and doing a gig Wednesday morning in blue Springs. So really? Nice. I'll be out later that day, but you know, that's a city that's got a lot going on. Like you say, yeah. you could pop out. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this and then we'll wrap up and go down and grab a bite. Sure. The, um, the investment in yourself and in your craft, I don't think enough comics and aspiring comics take the time to think about the the effort it takes to come to a conference like this, mm-hmm. uh, the CCA, Christian Comedy Association Conference, like we had a month ago. Yeah. Um, do you have a certain goal each year that I need to attend a couple of things that will pour into me mm. to keep this going? Or has it been kind of just naturally, I, I think I should do this, I do it. Do you set aside, like, for somebody that's thinking, you know, a couple hundred bucks or this conference isn't cheap, it's several times that, mm-hmm. is it worth the investment, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Short answer, yes. Um, something always pulls me here every year. Uh, one year, it was like I got my CSP. Uh, Which is a certified speaking. Yeah, certified speaking professional. professional designation. So it's like, well, you're going to come and get your medal, right? Uh, a couple other times, it's been um, because... Uh, I was speaking for the youth. Um, there was another time where I knew someone was going to be there that I wanted to meet. Um, another time it was because there was like a competition. It was called, so you think you can speak. Well, I'm going to go and, you know, because I was a first timer and you had to be new. Uh-huh. To, and so it just seems like every year there's been something. But I, my wife and I always talk about this. I can't afford not to go. And this is, I'm not trying, I love NSA, but I'm not trying to plug anything mm-hmm. here. This is just honestly how I feel. Every time I come here, you just you build more relationships. You learn something that's going to propel your business. So however many dollars you're spending, I mean that eventually comes back on me. You know, yeah. Um, so it's it's just it's just been amazing to to see what it. And it doesn't mean like oh now I have seven new friends and every one of them is going to call me for a gig next month. It's usually not that direct. You know, right. But once you start just thinking through. What has this done for me? You you just think about the relationships and the conversations you've had, um, and one conversation in the hallway can make you go, "Oh, now I know how to up my fee and why and what I'm worth." And now you're making more money because of it, and that pays off the conference. And so, if you can look at it in, in terms of it, eventually will pay off. And yes, um, in terms of CCA, I just wanted to go. You know, I was like, stand up is now my thing. I'm a Christian. These people, these are my people. Mm-hmm. I just want to go have fun. You know. Um, so NSA is more about, okay, business money, got to support the kids. CCA is like, man, this is a way to like use my new hobby and, and plug it into my job and make it all jive. So, um, I'm, I'm not always the smartest. I've spent a lot this year on, you know, doing showcases and conferences and man, I'm running low on cash, Uh (laughs) you know? So I have to look ahead and be like, is it smart to keep doing these showcases? But I mean, they all always pay themselves off. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's just, you just got to do it. And yeah, I could keep going, but I no, I think that's question. good to hear because I think I know everybody listening. Even if you're kind of living on the margin, there's not a lot of check at the end of the of the week. Mm-hmm. There are things you can sometimes cut out still. Like we don't go out to eat a lot when I'm home. I really like to be home, so I, I'm like yeah. I'm going to cook something on the grill, and that's 
makes my wife happy. She doesn't have to cook, you yeah, know? Right. So there's, there's things you can kind of trade out to save a few more dollars if you need to. Sure. But it all, it, I think if you attend a conference with no expectation besides learning something, mm-hmm. I think, and I realized this from, from running the CCA conference this past yeah. year, some people come with the expectations of, of friendships right off the bat. And I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know, some people yeah. were like, I felt kind of lonely and, you know, I came there to meet friends and, so that's a whole nother level that I think you have to be patient with. I mean, you can't instantly become friends with someone. Sometimes you, you, I mean, you are, you strike up a conversation like, hey, you're like my long lost brother. Mm-hmm. But I find if you're coming to a conference with expectations besides learning, then you might be setting yourself up for some frustration. And mm-hmm. I've even heard it here, you know, I was walking down the hallway behind somebody like, you know, it seems like the clicks are so strong here already. And it's hard. Mm. They all know each other. Well, yeah, that's because they came for three or four years. And this is my fifth year. This is probably the first year where any room I walk into, there's at least one person I know or familiar with. Yeah. The first year I wasn't even worried about that. I'm like, what is this session about? And can I get a golden nugget out of this sucker? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's how you approach it. But I think if you don't approach it, at least once in any type of conference, I mean, a social media conference, if that's what's lacking in your business or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're missing out on. You don't know what the return of the investment is and you're just not developing as a, as a business. I mean, the performing yeah. part is, is one thing, the writing is another, but when you want to support your house full of girls mm-hmm. or in my case, a couple of kids and, mm-hmm. and my wife for a certain amount of time, yeah, you got to improve on what you're doing or it's just going to, it's all going to blow up yeah. one day and then everybody's mad. Mm-hmm. And nothing's working, so you it, it, you could get to the point where it's too late. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So, would you add anything to that? You know, um, something you said triggered a thought, and so I just want to share this. Yeah, I saw okay. something light up for a second. Yeah, it did. And what, it, what we talked about this yesterday when we were, last night when we were hanging out, um, the CCA was phenomenal, and you did an amazing job as president. Oh, thank you. One thing you get a lot of times at conferences is people want stage time just to get in front of people. Even if it's to introduce another speaker, and then they get up and they try to shine and they try to make the introduction amazing, so people will say, "Who gave that introduction?" That they're not really doing it to set up this person; they're doing it to put themselves up. Right. As as president, you obviously had to be on stage quite a bit because you have to make announcements and whatnot. Not once, not one time that I feel like Rick's up there. Rick's president just to get in front of us, just to make his name more known. You, I just saw in you the whole time, in the hallway, on the stage, a servant leader constantly. Um, I mean, you were constantly, you were have, taking care of some problem, putting out some small fire, like, you know, good conference planners do. Uh, and I just, I, I marveled at that. I was like, this dude is here <laughs> to serve. He, he's not here to be served. And so just want to give you props, man. Oh, well, and did you. I appreciate that. So, well, that's, you know, that was... Part of me growing as a not only a business person but as a leader, like for whatever reason, I've always kind of wanted to. I was captain of the soccer team and track team and all that kind of stuff, and started groups in college. And when I found this the CCA, you know, the leaders they had the past six or seven years that I've been going, they've all been good. And I just saw how they did it, and they they could have been invisible as far as the laughter, you know, introducing people, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing, prayerfully, was you know, let me not get in the way of what's going on here. And if there's something, you know, even having Phil Kagey there was a answer uh, to a prayer. And if you wow. haven't heard or seen Phil Kagey, look that guy up. Dude. You but, know, um, can I say one more thing? I guess you can cut out whatever you need to. Okay. Your, your session was awesome, man. Um, it was about punching up your jokes and making your setups better, making your punchlines more, you know, getting getting more to the point and punching up your stuff. And I just, you know, you sat on that stage and there were about 100 of us, 100 of us in the room. 
and you were just like, okay, tell me your jokes. And it was not in a, I know more than you do, but you know these tools. You've been studying this forever. And you would just fix, you, you did it with one of my bits. You just fix these lines. Okay, tighten this up. This is too much information. They don't need to know all that. You know, ooh, flip your punchline and your setup around. You blew my mind okay. with this. And again, it wasn't like, I'm up here to, you, and, and there was times where it kind of got unruly in the room. You're like, hey, let's, let's just be respectful. And you had this air of like, um, I'm in charge. Um, let's, let's respect each other and let's get this done. We're here to workshop. And so anyway, uh, just that's it. Oh, thanks. I'll stop talking about you. <laughs> no, no. I'll, <laughs> I'm going to cut all this out anyway, but I thought it's good to hear. No, but that's, that's the gift. Like, you know, it took me a while to realize that the talent that I have is not mine. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the money I have is not mine. It's mm-hmm. all given to me by God and I've got to be a good steward of it. And I, I've, I've done that, I think, with the money and, and supporting my church and those things. But the talent thing, it took me a while to be a good steward of that. Mm. And I still grapple with that. Like sometimes I have an idea for a joke and uh, I'm like, you know, that's that's funny. Mm-hmm. But it's not the best use of my talent. Mm, and it's not right. a reflection of who I need to be. Sure. And and maybe some true stand-ups would go, no, man, you thought of it. You, you say it. That's who you right. are. So sometimes I feel, am I fighting who I am? Hmm. But it's... It's okay to fight who you are if you're trying to get somewhere else with yeah. what God's given you and who you want to be. Yeah. So it's it, there's always those struggles. Sure. But being a steward of that, the, the techniques and the stuff, I love sharing that with other comics because I don't mm-hmm. think some people think you're you're born funny and you're either funny or you're not. You're right. Um, without a doubt, everybody can get funnier, even the funniest people that were born funny. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the people that struggle the hardest just never had somebody say, hey. You're banging your head against the wall because you—it's mm. just this one thing. Yeah, and you get yeah. that thing fixed, and everything starts flowing. So, yeah. Well, there's a plug for the CCA. If you guys, if you guys need to network or to be around similar like-minded people, whether it's the Christian Comedy Association, National Speakers Association, if you're in a corporate area, you need to do Toastmasters to get better at your speaking. There's places and tools out there that are there for you. I'd set aside a little bit of money for it. Go out there and improve upon yourself. And Devin, let's go and improve upon a salad and. Maybe uh, a distinguishable meat on the plate at this conference. Maybe it's not the rubber chicken this time around. Let's, let's go get know. it. We'll, we'll figure it out, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, yeah, man. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Devin Henderson. Very funny guy. Very talented guy. If you want to find out more about Devin, you can check out his website. It's D-E-V-I-N-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, DevinHenderson.com. You can find him on Facebook or Twitter. It's Henderson Comedy. Or on YouTube, it's Henderson Devon. So check him out, watch some clips, follow him on Facebook, uh, tweet him on Twitter, whatever people do on Twitter. <laughs> Go ahead and do that. Uh, thanks again for listening to the podcast. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with another episode. Until then, stay safe, stay funny, and stay healthy. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.